we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. We know that the people who are dying from this from this uh, disease. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. You've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Thursday, the 25th day of November, the year of our Lord, 2021. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners. And unfortunately, due to the holiday, Bruce Adams is not able to join us today. So we have got the next best thing. We've got the fan favorite joining us today. Marty Foster, how are you? Fine and dandy, like a heart candy Christmas, in the words of Dolly Parton, from the great film, Texas, the best little whorehouse in Texas. Yeah, I'm fine, mate. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's just another day where, where I'm at and where you're at. We're obviously not celebrating Thanksgiving because we're not in the States. Well, no, of course not. I mean, uh, obviously, the the first people to celebrate Thanksgiving were indeed English. Yeah, um, well, Dutch, actually. I mean, technically. Where were they? Were they Dutch? Well, I mean, you, you, you could argue that. Yeah, you, you, you could. Maybe if you go if you go back a few centuries, then they were all angles. So yeah. the yeah. you know the islands in which I live um, were invaded from northern Europe by all kinds of um, Germans, Dutch, um, Scandinavians. In fact, Germany didn't exist until quite late on. So no. Frisians, no. yeah. So yeah, they were English. <laughs> so were we at one point in time. So were the Aussies at one point in time. Yeah. We were all. Uh, we sent we sent our best down there uh, to, to Australia. <laughs> our Apparently, very best. Yeah, uh, the very best. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be uh, staking that claim to any member of the government down there. I certainly wouldn't be doing that. Oh no! Oh no! I mean, I saw a, a clip earlier on on our on our Telegram feed uh, of an Australian, or was it on our Telegram feed? It, it was. He he was. His eyes were wild, and he was staring, and he was spouting off about anyone who. Regardless of their vaccination status, if they question uh, the vaccines, they're an anti-vaxxer. And it, yeah. I cannot believe how bought have, into this the Australian government are. Yeah, I have a clip of uh, of that uh, really quickly. If you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to hear it, yeah, why not? All very aware of the huge amount of misinformation spreading online in the last few days. I don't really want to lean into the lies that are being spread. Although, given these press conferences generally get spliced up by international trolls, hello to all conspiracy theorists overseas watching this, please get a life. I don't want to go into their lies because that just gives them more oxygen and their lies are dangerous. There's obviously a lot of crap spreading about the Centre for National Resilience. As we all know, Howard Springs is the gold standard facility in Australia for COVID quarantine and care. Thousands and thousands of Australians have stayed there. Footy stars and rappers have stayed there. It's where our Olympians quarantined. It's Australia's best, which is why it's also used for our first Australians. So I urge people not to worry about the insane, unhinged stuff they're spreading online and that overwhelmingly comes from people who don't live here and know nothing about us. 99.99% of the BS is flying around the 
internet about the territory is coming from flogs outside the territory, mostly America, Canada and the UK. People who have nothing better to do than make up lies about us because their own lives are so small and so sad. We don't need to pay any more attention to them. We don't need to listen to them. Listen instead to the powerful words of the judicial owners from yesterday. They said, we are in lockdown because we are in the biggest fight of our lives. We are trying to keep safe. We are trying to do the right thing by the community and Catherine. You are doing the right thing. We are so, so grateful that you are. And we cannot wait to see you again on the other side of this. We all know what this is for. We are trying to protect the oldest continuous living culture on the planet. We have tens of thousands of years of history, law, custom and song to keep alive. And if anybody thinks that we are going to be distracted or intimidated by tinfoil hat-wearing tossers sitting in their <laughs> parents' basements in Florida, then you do not know us Territorians. <laughs> I would love to get hold oh, of that bloke. You know wouldn't what? you, though? I, I, I would love to, just to, to get him face-to-face for just a little while. It's refreshing to hear a politician using terms like crap and BS and um, tin pot hat wearing tossers. I think he's, um, he's directly nice calling us out. He's, he's directly calling us out. You hear that? We're, we're tin, yeah, tin foil hat wearing but, conspiracy theorists that are that have sad, small lives that live in our parents' basement. Just a couple of nights ago, when, when I did the last podcast, we talked about um, governments and media pandering to minorities. Now, what he's actually talking about there when he's talking about first Australians, which is now what they call, what we used to call Aboriginals, who yes. were there before anyone got there. Um, and, and he's quite right. They've got thousands and thousands of years of oral tradition that has to be preserved. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's written, it's not written down. It's in rock paintings. It's in their songs. It's in their, their oral culture. And yeah, they, they, they should protect those people from, you know, the the um, manufactured virus that they've they've wound up giving to us all. And I can understand that, but that kind of argument, that kind of let's just shut this down by just dismissing it as nonsense is how these evil bastards are winning the fight. It's how they're doing it. It's the ad hominem argument that we've talked about before. Hang on a minute. Are they actually winning the fight, though? I mean, if they were winning that kind of speech right there, I don't think it would be even necessary. Because Are any of them on gibbets with piano wire at the moment? Not at the moment. Not at, not at the well, moment. Well, they're but, winning then, aren't they? But that's, that, that's what. Well, we were we were going over we were going over the footage of the Australian people specifically in the streets, which, by the way, they're conveniently ignoring. Uh, he didn't mention anything about that. We saw the numbers of people that are in the streets in Australia standing at the feet of these government buildings. Specifically, I wouldn't call it winning. And the reason I wouldn't call it winning is because I call it a bunker mentality. I mean, if you think about it, look look at the uh, look at the. Uh, look at the final days of the Third Reich. What were they doing? They were in the bunker in Berlin, partying, having a great time, drinking liquor and having food and giving awards to each other and telling everybody not to pay attention to what, uh, you know, allied media was saying. Don't listen to them. Listen to us. We know what's going on. We're winning. We're winning. And they were losing. Well, yeah, to an extent, I agree with you that, that they are in that bunker mentality, but they control the mass media. And the majority of people on the face of this earth haven't got the time or the inclination to do their own research. Uh, and as such, they accept whatever MSM is 
forcing down their throats and forcing into their ears and into their eyeballs. And and so if these big protests are not on um, the evening news and people saying there were 165,000 people outside the the state uh, government for Northwest Territories or for um, New South Wales or, or whatever, then people don't believe it. Actually, Australia, I think, has got something like 20 million people, maybe less. It's a massive country. It's a huge country. You can fit the UK into it about five or six times, maybe more, but it's only got 20 million people. But within 20 million, there are still a very, very high proportion of people who are just seeing the mainstream media. They're not bothering to look any further for their information. And that's what they're believing. So they are winning this. They're, they're winning the battle at the moment. They won't win the war. They can't possibly win the war because people will start to wake up. And some of the stuff that um, we're going to cover tonight should really start ringing alarm bells. It should do, yeah. But I, I, uh, I, I can't help but keep laughing at that, uh, you know, tinfoil hat wearing basement dwellers. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Well, it, I, it, no, it was tinfoil hat wearing or tinfoil hat wearing tossers. Tossers, yeah. So, yeah. Tossers. Yeah. Uh, from, from, from America, from, from the UK and from uh, where, where, where I was, Canada or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anywhere else that speaks English, basically. Yeah, um, the English block countries, yeah. Yeah. Australia has got a very hardened mindset uh, against letting anything that could cause you know, biological damage into their country. Our listeners may or may not have seen a TV series which is on Sky. I think it's on Sky Investigation or whatever, and it's called Border Security. It follows the airports around Australia, and you know, people are constantly uh, trying to smuggle in um, foodstuffs that come from their homeland, usually Vietnam, China, Thailand, Malaysia. And they've got suitcases full of prohibited stuff. And the people on the on the border control, you've got bio-investigation officers, then you've got customs, and then you've got the federal police as well. And they are so very strict because they've got an ecosystem that could be wiped out and they've got agriculture that could be wiped out by, you know, something being imported that carries disease. So they've got this hardwired state of mind as far as protecting their borders. So it's no surprise that they're, they're going to be able to be easily convinced about COVID and the precautions that they have to take are being told they have to take uh, to, to stop the virus. But what's it all about, though? I mean, we know that they haven't been honest with us, right? We, we know that the politicians haven't been honest with us. We know that there's something that they're hiding. We also know that they're in a hurry. Well, why are they in a hurry? We've had our own speculations. Of course we have. We do know, and this is before you went out, uh, we were playing clips of Boris, who was giving a, a, an interview to the media uh, right after a meeting with Bill Gates. And he was saying at the time, he said, we're going to be looking at uh, purchasing enough vaccines. We're going to make sure everybody gets double jabbed and, and has uh, whatever they need by the end of 2022. Well, we're now approaching 2022. Their original target was 2025. Well, they had to move it up to 2022. And I remember you saying specifically, Marty, at the time, I said, why do you think that they're moving to 2022 instead of 2025? And you said, well, it's pretty obvious. After the end of 2022, there will be no more convincing anybody of anything. And quite frankly, I think we've already hit that time. Uh, otherwise, the mandates wouldn't be here. And, and the... Uh, 
uh, the threatening people's livelihoods and all, all the rest of it, and introduction of vaccine passports to travel and things of this nature. Those numbers have already hit a wall. Uh, I was talking about that last week. I think they hit a wall. We had the rollout around February, January, February, March, right along in there, depending on what country you're from. And then they had a pretty good steady rolling until about July, about midsummer, and it dropped off. After that, they started with bribes. Oh, we're going to give you a cash bonus. We're going to enter you into a lottery. We're going to give you a cheesecake and, and beer and, and hunting licenses and fishing licenses and all the rest of it. And then they just did whatever they needed to do to carry them to this point. They needed to get to this point. Everything was hinging on November 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th. Right now, and as you see right now, all the European countries are going back into lockdown. So they hit their mark. They carried themselves to this point. Now they need to move to the next one. It's quite refreshing um, to see that my scepticism about the, the legal system, judges, courts, that like, might have been a bit misplaced because here in the UK just recently, uh, I think it was somewhere in Wales, South Wales, a lady who owns a cinema and a coffee shop um, refused to you know, ask for vaccine passports to let people in. Um, she was shut down by the local government and then appealed, took it to court, and that decision to shut her down was overturned by a higher court. Although it's not exactly connected, we all know that all of this is a little bit connected. The not guilty verdict for Kyle, Kyle Rittenhouse, that could have easily have uh, have gone the other way if pressure was applied by by government. So I'm quite happy that we're seeing clear evidence that the legal system can possibly still be trusted. So the only way that this is going to be arrested, as in stopped and and reversed, is through that legal process. What news of 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 our German doctor who was bringing the class action. Is there any more of that? We're still looking at it. I'm following him. He's he's moving at this point uh, as far as like bringing in as many people as possible, and they are offering perspective. But uh, as far as uh, as far as them, uh, just to just to clear it up, uh, as far as anybody thinking that this German doctor is working on something called Nuremberg two, that's incorrect. Uh, I watched him give an interview about that because there's a lot of online talk about that, and that's in the initial stages. Even myself, as I understood it, what I was reading about the man, that's what he was working on. But apparently, that's not correct. What he, in fact, is working on is a way to deal with this fallout in the manner of this. Uh, now, this guy's got cases under his belt that he's won before. He won all the he won the major cases against Deutsche Bank and against Volkswagen. So, I mean, he's and against Bank of America. So, I mean, he's got he's got cases under his belt that he's actually won against these big companies. But this this is this is going to take years of litigation to put this through. But his argument is simply this. And I, I wholeheartedly concur with him. Uh, Dr. Reiner Fulmesh is who we're speaking of. He's very clearly stated that if we're going to deal with the fallout of this, we're not going to be able to deal with it in our current legal system. As in, we don't have a legal system at current time that is able to deal with these people, if that makes any sense. You can't go to the European courts because they're compromised. They're pretty much owned lock, stock, and barrel by George Soros. You can't go there. You can't go to the International Criminal Court at The Hague. Again, the same people own it. Yeah, and, and that was kind of my point, that that higher level of, of, of the legal system is totally compromised, and I couldn't see any way out of the issue. But it seems that smaller, lower-level courts still haven't been fully bribed or coerced in, into compliance with, um, with the pandemic. 
So um, our hope is to, to, to start there because if enough cases are won on discrimination grounds, the medical apartheid that they're suggesting where, where only vaccinated people can go to certain places and so on, it's already happening in Australia. It's happening in Austria. Um, it's happening in Germany. You know, every time one of these cases of discrimination um, is won in, or goes in favour of the plaintiff, then it, it builds a raft of evidence for afterwards. We need that raft of evidence to create a case to get rid of these corrupt ones in the higher courts, in the European Court of Human Rights. You need precedent. Yeah, you need the president, a president to, um, to, to get rid of them um, and to expose them. So fingers crossed that Dr. Reinhardt. Reiner Fulmish, yeah. Reiner, sorry. Um, yeah. You know what I'm like with names. I'm very good with faces, terrible at remembering <laughs> names. Um, but yeah, with more strength to his arm, and I ho- hope he, he just keeps doing what he's doing. He is. Uh, he's, he seems to be very committed to it. And again, I, I support his work. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I appreciate all the work he and his team are doing up there in Berlin. Uh, it's it's great work, uh, and so I, I hope that they keep on with it. I do follow him. Uh, I do follow his uh, his website and his organization, his law firm. They are working. Uh, so I mean, it is you know how it is, my friend. The wheels of justice turn very slowly, and I mean when it when it comes to a court case, it's as simple as this: to to submit a piece of evidence for a trial or even for discovery, for that matter. Uh, in the manners of presenting it to the court to make sure it gets admitted, you need 30 days just to get that one piece of evidence in. You know, we're talking about years and years of litigation here. And I agree with you, that needs to happen. But the way that our legal systems work, we don't have years. Not with the the, the raft of, of, of just scum that we're dealing with in these these governments. We don't have years to deal with these people. We've got weeks and months, maybe. Maybe. I would be more inclined to say weeks at this point because uh, there's a reason they're ignoring what's happening uh, in the streets. But we're going to get to that here in just a second. Do you have one last comment you want to uh, you want to make on that before on the legal thing before we switch into exactly why these politicians are concerned? Well, yeah, it's an old saying that the wheels of justice turn very slowly. However, when the local authority or the greater authority wants someone prosecuted, you just watch how fast that happens. You know, I've 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 led a uh, uh, an interesting life, and I may or may not have been in a courtroom on a couple of occasions. And when they want you prosecuted, believe you me, you'll be prosecuted. Of course, I'm talking as a member of the jury. I will go no further than that. But if they want you prosecuted, believe you me, it will happen quickly. So yeah, it does turn slowly, but that's just so judges, lawyers, barristers. Uh, research assistants, paralegals can earn the big bucks because they're paid by the hour and everything they do, every letter is all hourly rates. So it's a, it's a self-licking lollipop. I was that's, unaw- that's all I want to say. Yeah, I, was, I was unaware of the fact that you actually did time serving on a jury in all those other countries you've been to. Ah, Ah, uh, no, that, 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 well, uh, you know, it's classified. There's a D notice on it. All right, carry <laughs> on. Move on. Move on. Will do. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, you served on a French jury after those two poor police officers? <laughs> no, no, no. That was all dealt with on board. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to meet them again. That, that would be good. I think they're a little busy right now uh, trying to, to mix it up with protesters in France. They're, they're just ushering migrants across the channel, as far as I can see, and blaming too, us yeah. for their, their lack of, lack of um, ability to control their own beaches. Yes, that too. Okay, so let's get into this. Uh, and I want to I I get straight into this because we've got a lot to cover today yet. 
Okay, so Slovenia, right? Let's talk about Slovenia. Now, typically, I like to wait until two to three sources that are not connected to each other usually make a, a report on this. That's usually what I like to wait to do. Because as an investigator, that's what you do. You try and gather all the different information from all the different sources that you've got, and then you start looking for what matches and what does not. That's the basis of forming a baseline for your investigation. So in this case, in this case, this is something that, uh, and I'm again, I'm still waiting for more, but uh, I want to talk about this right now. There is an issue in Slovenia that has happened with one of their head nurses of their, uh, and this is this is circulating. I've heard this. I've heard several mainliners talking about this already. So we need to we need to be on it. The country of Slovenia, a whistleblowing nurse has come forward. She works as the head nurse of the University Medical Center in Jubiljana. I want to, I want to, Jubiljana, is that the capital of Slovenia? I I'm, I might not be saying that right. It's not a region I'm f- familiar with, but I think you've got all the letters in the right order, perhaps the wrong inference on certain yeah, parts of it. Could be. Ju- Jubiljana, I think is, is what it's called, but Fair. we'll, we'll, We'll have to correct that later if necessary. Fair enough. The thing with this woman is, is that she is the head nurse. She's the head nurse of the University Medical Center. Now, what does she do? She takes care of of the receiving and the managing of the jabs for politicians. That's what's so key about this woman. She resigned yesterday. And upon her tendering her resignation, she went straight out in front. And I expect to see this in more in more countries in the West. She went straight out in front of the, the cameras, the TV cameras, and started talking. There are three different vials. This is I'm, re- I'm repeating what she said. There are three different vials. So she goes out in front of the TV cameras. She's also simulcasting on Facebook Live and YouTube as well, because the mainstream media, more than likely, they were going to cut the feed. And of course, they did, for what I'm about to say. During the conference, she showed the codes on the bottles where each, con- or where each contains one, two, or three digits, and then explained the meaning of those numbers. This is very important, which, by the way, as soon as she started talking about this, the original video has now been deleted from Facebook and YouTube, and the accounts have been, have been expunged as well. You have three digits, one, two, or three. Number one, this is according to her, is the placebo. It's a simple saline solution. Number two is the mRNA. Number three is also an mRNA, but it's different. Pay very close attention. The number three is an mRNA stick that contains the oncogene. What is the oncogene? It is linked to the adenovirus that contributes to the development of cancer. She said that those receiving the number three bottle will develop soft tissue cancer within two years of receiving the jab. A couple of weeks ago, we had a funeral director on from the UK. And what did he say in that interview, those that have been listening since then? What did he say? They're seeing an explosion in cancer deaths. The increase in cancer deaths is off the charts. I know two people personally right now who took the jab and they have stage four cancer, they're terminal, and it just popped up out of nowhere. Now, again, as somebody that investigates things, I'm looking at two and two, and I'm trying to make it equal four. That's all I'm trying to do here. So let's continue on. She says that she has personally witnessed the jab of all of the politicians and tycoons. You know, all the famous people, the celebrities, the the sports stars, the, uh, you know, all, all that. But we'll get into that in a second. Right? Not necessarily the sports stars, but and there, there's a reason I'm about to say that. Everyone that received those jabs in those positions got the number one bottle. 
which was the placebo. They got the saline. Just what I said the other day. The politicians are unvaccinated. The celebrities are unvaccinated. They're getting saline solution. We watched an Austrian member of parliament who was voting for the national lockdown in Austria and voting for vaccine mandates. She was literally sitting at her desk in parliament next to her colleagues, making herself a COVID passport right on the spot. You couldn't make it up. You couldn't make it up. Of course, she's going to vote for that because they're exempt. The politicians have received a saline solution or a placebo. And this is exactly why they will do it in front of the cameras. Does this make sense to you, Marnie? Does, does all of this make sense to you? What, what are your thoughts on this? There's a couple of things that, that we need to consider. One is this nurse would have been operating in her own country. So we're yes. talking about the, the Just the, Slovenia. Just Slovenia. The, yeah, ju just Slovenia. And um, they're great and good. They're celebrities. They're politicians. Um, according to her, have received the zero one type hypodermic which contains saline the other thing to consider is if we try to conflate the cancer upsurge with number three the one that contains that particular gene therapy that causes cancers uh -huh. we also have to consider and this this is only me being devil's advocate and and playing fair is that because of the the status of hospitals over the last two years which have, and I'm doing the air quotes, inundated with COVID patients. Now, bearing in mind, I've been in hospital several times in the last two years, and I would not say the word inundated is a fair estimate of, of the state of the hospitals that I've been in anyway. And by the way, just on that point, you've also, not for yourself, but accompanying others, you've also had to go down to, and I believe Ned as well, you spent time in the emergency rooms as well. So you know that those are not overflowing either. So ju just no, so we're covering, no, no, covering all they're, bases. They're, they're not, but here that that's here in the UK. Can't speak for any other country because I've not been allowed to travel for two years. Um, so you've got people who would have been screened who would have been seen by their GP and some cancers would have been picked up in time to be cured. But what's happened is people have been kept away from hospitals out of um, conscience. So they've, they, they've not gone to hospital, even though they probably thought they should do or gone to their doctors for, that's the thing about cancer. It, it, it creeps up on you and then wham, it's got you. So the symptoms can be very subtle. And if people haven't been to their doctors and haven't been to hospital, haven't had the tests, then all of a sudden you can be in stage four and terminal um, without even realizing that you've got the condition. However, if what this um, nurse from Slovenia can be corroborated and proven, then that's the smoking gun for Dr. Reiner. That's the um, that's what we were just talking about. That's the raft of evidence. That's the the fait accompli, the coup de grace, and any other cliche that I could remember in the next few seconds. And it would it would explain a few things. It would explain most notably why they're in such a hurry, as you said several months ago. It would explain why they're they're in such a hurry. And second, it would also give them perfect cover if that's indeed what is happening with that number three vial. If that's what people are getting and that's what it's causing, well, the inundated hospitals and not giving people the proper treatment and not doing the screenings, it would give them the, the, the perfect cover to say, oh, well, the hospitals were closed because of COVID uh, and that we didn't catch it in time. You see what I mean? So it, it set them up. That great phrase that um, you, you've taught me, problem, reaction, solution. The hospitals, 
the the situation certainly here in the UK for hospitals has been worsened not by the number of cases but by enforced isolation of staff they've been forced to self isolate which means that qualified medical staff have not been available for the shifts that they would normally do you know they're overworked people they they work long hours especially in it within the NHS they work very long hours for not enough money i wouldn't include the doctors in that because most doctors make about 350,000 pounds a year or thereabouts yeah really that's part private practice and part nhs practice so doctors are doctors make money but the nurses the the lab techs the care assistants don't make great money so they're tired and if they can have some time off um, and uh, I'm I'm just speculating here because I've I've got no actual proof. But if they can have some time off paid, I think some of them have taken that time. That's just my opinion. So the the situations in the hospitals, as far as being understaffed and therefore clusters, air quote inundated, I suppose that holds up. And and there's your reason because they wouldn't be so busy if all of the staff were present. But they're not because they're isolating or actually sick with a cold or flu or whatever, but will stay away because that's what they're supposed to do and that's what is expected of them. Yeah, but that also goes back to the uh, the case, or excuse me, uh, what, how do they call it in the UK? The ping-demic. When you get pinged by the NHS app and they say, oh, well, yeah, you, uh, you, you were in close contact with someone. Sorry, you're going to have to self-isolate. See, this is why I argue against all of the uh, all of the the procedures or excuse me all of the restrictions and everything else all the way through people will say well we don't want uh, vaccines but we're okay with the testing no you don't understand if you have the testing then you have the vaccines if you have the vaccines well then you have the testing they both work off of each other you can't have one without the other because if you still have testing you still have restrictions so either we have no restrictions or we have restrictions. It's that simple. There, there's no middle of the road here. There's no compromise to make with these things. So it allows them with the restrictions, whether it's a, a COVID app or or, or what contact tracing or, or testing or whatever, it allows them to regulate and pull people out of the workforce whenever they want so they can regulate and control each aspect of the economy however they need. Yeah, it's um, there's that old saying, isn't, isn't there? If, if you... Um hit a man too hard, you can only rob him once. If you hit him hard enough, just hard enough, you can rob him several times. And and that's what they're doing with, with economies, with industries. They are tweaking things so that it's not one big catastrophe, but it's several small problems after another. And um, and yeah, but this you just saying that has, has triggered something in my head. I've been tested by hospital staff in the last two years, probably 10 or 15 times for COVID, and it's been negative every time. What they haven't done is done the antibodies test to see if I've got antibodies to the virus that have come through my own natural immune system. Now, they would say that, oh, it's a very expensive test and it takes time and we wouldn't do it. But to be tested 15 times, if you add up 15 lateral flows and PCR tests, they come to about a quarter of what the um, the antibodies test would have costed. So start doing that. But they don't want to do that because that would spoil their new definition of herd immunity because they could soon start to see that the population, vaccinated or unvaccinated, has got the antibodies and therefore has 
that immunity to the virus. And the other lie that um, that came out with the vaccine after they pretended to wait a few months and make us all sweat and say and, and be really desperate for it, problem, reaction, solution, is that it, it gives 90, 98, 99% immunity. Well, it, it, it doesn't. You know, it gives no immunity as far as I'm aware. What it does is reduce symptoms and, and stop the symptoms being so severe. And we'll, we'll give them that. But what they failed to mention was that 95% of that 98, 99% is your own natural immune system anyway. And that's what they failed to mention. And that's what people need to understand. And that's why it should have been the kind of information that mainstream media were giving out with Dr. Hillary on on Good Morning Britain and 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 all the other uh, overpaid um, celebrity medics Hang on that we're seeing on television. On don't don't gloss over Pierce Morgan like that. Oh, sorry. He just uh, got his he just got his booster. Did he? Good. He good. Did. Good. Well, I, I hope he got a three. Sorry, but. We've got another TV show that used to be run in Australia, but Australia don't want anyone to go there at the moment. It's called I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, where they take loads of Z-listers into the jungle and they live in the jungle for two weeks. And then it's a, it's a popularity show where they do different trials and eat in all kinds of horrible food and something quite physical. Then they're living out in the jungle. There's There's snakes and animals and spiders and things to contend with. But now they're doing it and they've done it now for the last two years in a, in a castle in Wales, this ruined castle. So they're still living in quite cold, rough conditions and doing all these different trials with the different um, things to eat, like bull's testicles and fish guts and all those kind of things. I know, like, I know. Well, they are, like, they're Z-listers. Like yeah, it sounds like Fear Factor. You remember that from all yeah. years ago? But there's a, there's a guy called Richard Maidley. He did the trial last night. And he failed. He failed miserably. He's supposed to get 10 stars to give, get them all food, uh, you know, the rest of the camp members. But he only managed to get four because, quite frankly, he's a he's an effete, useless, minor celebrity. And then he, he got back to camp and he was telling them all how difficult it, the, the task was and, oh, it was near, near impossible. I'm sorry, I've only got four. Well, he's gone sick. He's now out of the show. He's had to go into hospital. And so he's broken the bubble, which means he can't come back into the group under the re restrictions. A few weeks ago on television, the yellow exemption form that the people who are awake are, are trying to push forward, that you are medically exempt from having the um, the vaccination and, and don't want it. Um, he tore one of those up live on TV and threw it in the bin and was quite derisory of of people who are awake. So now he... He, he's gone sick and I don't know if it's COVID or whether he's just got very embarrassed about how badly he did at the trial. But I, I just thought I'd mention that. I never liked those reality shows, quote, reality shows. I never really liked them. Uh, I was never a fan of those things like Survivor and all that stuff. And yeah, all I just like to see pitiful celebrities that irritate the hell out of me go through hell on TV. I, I quite enjoy it. The original reality show, as far as I'm concerned, was Big Brother. And I really, really wanted to be on Big Brother. The, at first, I can see you shaking your head, no. and it, it did become this this game no. show. No, fake I can do you one stuff. I can do you one better. Good, I can do you one better. Go for it. The original reality show, my friend, was an American TV show, and I know you got it there in the UK. It was called Cops. 
Okay, yeah, but that's more documentary, isn't it? No, that, that's no. That was that was a camera crew following a police officer around in a particular department, and it was actually what goes on on the streets, unscripted, un yeah, uh, yeah, anything. I, I mean, it was, it was it was the only script but, they followed was you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you, and so on and so forth. That was the only script they followed. Yeah, no. I, I appreciate that was reality, but it, it was a, a live documentary. It, it was documenting the the, the actions oh, yeah. of yeah, yeah, yeah. of the police department. It, it wasn't uh, a social experiment like Big Brother true. was. Okay, true. Which yeah, was yeah. which was about how people. Um, it was a popularity competition amongst the household because it was the household members that were voting each other out, not the public. And whoever was the last person out i think the prize was a hundred thousand pounds at the time the, mm-hmm. the the first one and and i thought this is so easy i've lived in in mestex on board warships with 47 people and that and they lived in this massive house with only 19 other people and being popular ingratiating yourself with others and knowing how to live in fairly close-knit community is something that servicemen naturally do you can't you don't last if you don't fit in you don't last within the armed forces i'm afraid so i i wanted to do that but significant other people in my in my life decided that that wasn't something i was allowed to do so I never managed it, but it turned into rubbish. Anyway, we're well off topic. I do apologize. We I'm, I'm going to yeah. let's let's change up a little bit here. Now, I wanted to uh, I, I wanted to discuss some things with like Afghanistan and stuff. But you know what? Quite frankly, I don't think that we're going to get to it because of everything that we have to cover yet. So I don't think we're going to get to it, unfortunately. But at least we can we can at least agree on this fact. Uh, it was a monumental failure. The Afghanistan thing, wasn't it? Oh, Absolutely. But that that was only to be expected. The thing that gets me, and I'm sorry, we, we are going to cover this for a, for a minute or two. Yeah, that's, no, that's fine. That's fine. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll make this as quick as possible. I'm sorry, guys, but I'm very old-fashioned. When you commit your armed forces into a conflict, there should be a positive outcome. Otherwise, don't commit. Pick a battle you can win. The Russians failed in, in Afghanistan. The British failed in, Afghanis- in Afghanistan first. You know, it's a, it's a country that is so fierce, fiercely nationalistic that you stand no chance. Even before the Taliban down Islamic lines, the Pashtun people's nationalism is so powerful that they will stand against any invader and they will group together. So it was always going to be a very short-term thing. But I would say, don't commit your armed forces to a conflict unless you're going to get something out of it. Now, if that something is stability and security for a region, great. Um, if it's some real estate and you're going to keep it and you're going to colonise it, actually, that's fine by me too, as long as you treat the the people of that country with decency. But no, it, it was a, an absolutely abortive withdrawal, leaving billions of dollars of equipment in the hands of, well, basically... Stone Age man. The people who are the rank and file of the Taliban are uneducated, uh, peasant people. Their leadership are quite smart and quite well educated, uh, and, and, and they're greedy. Them, most and of they're them divisive. Were, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's true. That's true. Most of them were actually uh, uh, former uh, residents of uh, Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, and um, look how that worked out as well. 
No, if, you, if you're going to commit your armed forces to a country, we'll do it for the right reasons. And I, I actually think colonisation is a right reason, as far as I'm concerned, as long as the people of that country's lives are better for your colonisation uh, and, and that they appreciate it. It's, it's like being liberated uh, as opposed to... Because when you withdraw so quickly, you create that power vacuum, which is very quickly filled. And the Taliban have always been there ready just to be sucked back into those positions of power. And now they've got the whole country. And China, of course, have got the the lithium mine. And that was the whole purpose of all of our armed forces being in um, in Afghanistan in the first place, so that rare earth metals could be extracted without the Taliban getting in the way. But now the Taliban are taking Probably in, it's probably in the billions of dollars in bribes to stay away from the, the mining areas and, and just stay peaceful. You can have your prehistoric rule and and policies and, you know, the all the bad things that you do to people, particularly women. You can have those. We just want this mineral. Is that all right? Here's, here's a few billion dollars. Go and buy yourself some, some nice watches and, and a nice car and things, and, and we'll just take these minerals. And that's what's happened. And that has always been the plan. You know, the, uh, the country of Afghanistan is, is crucial to the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative as, as well. You know, they need that little piece of real estate right there. Uh, and that's, that's, another, that's another reason that they wanted uh, to get that country. But you know what? Honestly, I'll ask you this. I mean, you're familiar with the, uh, the situation involving uh, the Uyghur Muslims that the Chinese have in the forced labor camps, correct? Yes, I've, I've been aware of it for quite a while. I mean, okay. obviously, in this country, people can protest and, and people have been protesting for the Uyghur Muslims for a long time. China is a big country. They don't all look the same as you move across the region, regions in China. People's physiology changes, so you can see the racial differences. And the Uyghur Muslims are kind of a remnant from, believe it or not, Genghis Khan and uh, his brothers and maybe his nephews that moved into the Middle East and then spread back into through Mongolia and into China, bringing Islam with them. And they are a persecuted minority. We know that there's organ harvesting going on. We know that there's re-education camps going on inside China. We know that there's the social scoring system is winding just normal people who don't quite conform to the party's ideal, winding up in these re-education camps. You said it and summed it up nicely. China isn't a communist country. China is a crony capitalist country, and it's using communism as a means of controlling its populace. At 2 billion, that's a lot of population to control. So that's the plan for us as well. That's what this uh, successive approximation, another phrase you taught me, thanks, Johnny, has been about in Western Europe. It's about getting us used to living under a totalitarian rule, to follow orders like as if we were a, a Pavlovian dog and the dinner bell just rang. That's what they, that's what they want from us. Afghanistan, the Taliban will, will, will out, what's the word? I'm, they'll, they'll, they'll become superfluous to needs at some point, and you can bet that there will be more conflict within Afghanistan if there's more minerals to be had. If, uh, if, they, if they behave themselves, then they may get away with being in charge for a couple of decades. I guess my, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. But I guess my more to the point was, uh, the question I was asking was, you've got the Uyghurs that are in, uh, in, in prison camps in China, 
and you've also got now China that is involved in the mineral, or excuse me, in the mining in Afghanistan. Well, the Uyghur Muslims, those are Sunni Muslims, if I'm not mistaken. I, I do believe that that's, that's what they are. And then, of course, the Taliban are the same. I'm just asking, what, what, are, the, what are the possibilities of, of conflict? They're saying, wait a minute, uh, you've got 1.5 million of our, uh, of our brothers in, in prison camps, um, but yet you're in here mining our resources. I, I think we need to have a discussion here. Well, that's the hypocrisy of it, isn't it? That's the hypocrisy of these leaderships. You know, Muslims will fight with each other as well, same as Christians have fought with each other down sectarian lines. There's, there's huge disagreements and conflicts within the various sects within Judaism as well. You know, it's, it's possibly a good thing that it's Thanksgiving and Bruce is busy enjoying turkey and, and sweet potatoes and, and all the rest of it because religion sucks. The moment you say the way I pray is better than the way you pray, you're an absolute cockwomble and you deserve to not go to paradise, heaven, nirvana or wherever. You deserve to die in the pit of eternal stench. They don't care. The people in the Taliban are, are just jealous. They're jealous of the oil-rich Arabs and the, in, in the, in the oil-rich re region. They see the wealth and the, the lifestyle that they have. And they've also got this thing that has got nothing to do with Islam, but it's a cultural thing where they want to totally subjugate women. They don't want women to be seen as citizens. They want them to be seen as goods and chattels. Uh, they don't want them to be educated. They, they don't even want them to um, have jobs. They simply want them to be property. And that's the way they are. That's 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 their culture. That's the the worst side of that. Well, I suppose it's Central Middle East Asian way of life. That's 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 what they want. Where I've lived in in Saudi Arabia and in in the UAE, women fly fighter planes. They have jobs. They are respected. They they are still under the same kind of level of restrictions as as their male counterparts from the religion and from what have you. And they are under possibly a little bit of restriction, more than their male counterparts, under culture, you know, face coverings, modesty, all those kind of things. But they are at least respected and seen as, as citizens in their own right and given opportunities. The Taliban isn't about that. The Taliban is about a male-run environment and a male, you know, patriarchy uh, and it's it's sick, and there's no place for it in in the modern world. You know the powers that be, the new world order, the Chinese Communist Party, your new administration. You know, let's go, Brandon, and all the rest of them are quite happy to let the Taliban have power, do all those things that they're going to do, take Afghanistan back to the Stone Age, as long as they can get those minerals out to make the electric cars and the the other things that they're going to force upon us um, before we all die. Yeah, and they're removing the uh, the tax credits here for the uh, the hybrids, the plug-in hybrids. Those will be gone. Uh, they want uh, everybody to be 100% off of fossil fuel cars of any kind by 2025. And you are also to have no emissions. You know what that means? I'll just translate that for you. That means no cars. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
let's uh, let's go ahead and segue here. Uh, let's let's get back to uh, to this. Uh, this is breaking. The state of emergency has been declared in the Czech Republic, and they're going to impose fresh COVID restrictions. The government declared a 30-day state of emergency on Thursday and imposed fresh new coronavirus restrictions to tackle the record surge of infections. Bars, restaurants, nightclubs, and casinos will have to close at 10 p.m., and all Christmas markets across the country are closed just when they opened. Ah, oh, just when they opened. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, is it is it possible that you're going to start seeing people walking around showing the Christmas markets that are empty because you need a jab to get in there? But yet, what, wait a minute, where are all the people? Where Where's all the millions and millions and millions of people that you say are taking jabs? Uh-huh. That's what I think is more likely, is that right there. It's proof positive of what we mentioned earlier, that through track and trace, through testing and so on, that it enables the corrupt governments across Europe and across you know the, the developed world to fine tune the damage that they're doing to their own economies. It's all about the Great Reset. It's all about Agenda 2030. It's about breaking them slowly so they don't even notice just like the poor people who haven't gone to the hospital to find out that they've got cancer, our economies are being slowly but surely eaten by the tumour that is corrupt government. And yeah, that, the worst thing is when they've just opened to be shut down immediately again, it would be better if they'd have stayed closed yeah. because they've employed people, they've reinvested, they've um spent money on on getting ready to reopen they've brought in new stock now just all of that to, is going to go to break them to waste yeah just a way to break it that's it and 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 they'll use the excuse of massive outbreaks but the uh i, I this, don't know i don't know how much evidence the rest of the world needs to, I don't know, to wake man. up I, I really don't know. This is also breaking. Fully vaccinated Czech President Zeman is back in the hospital now with COVID-19, just a few hours after being released from it after six weeks of treatment. He recently received a third dose of vaccine. He left the hospital despite the, despite the fact that the Central Military Hospital recommended that he stay in the hospital. So, yeah, there, there's a uh, there's a power struggle that's going on down there. You notice that these countries are changing out leaders almost like Almost like if you're fighting a war, you're changing out field commanders in areas where you're fighting a battle. The country of Austria had their chancellor changed out. The country of Italy had theirs changed out. Germany had theirs changed out. The UK, I believe, is about to have yours changed out. You've got letters of no confidence that are being submitted behind the scenes by the Tory party to have Boris removed. Uh, and I think he's intentionally, that speech we saw him give the other day where he was fumbling around and he lost all of his stuff, I, I think he's starting to intentionally do that. Uh, because they need to change him out, and then they need to drop the hammer. You notice when they change these leaders out, they're dropping the hammer. So as soon as they change them out, then you get the serious restrictions that are put in place. That's exactly what happened yeah. here. As soon as that election was over, that hammer got dropped, and they said, we're shutting everything down. We're pulling all the tests. You're not going to have a choice now. The Italians, an unelected leader of the country of Italy, Mario Draghi, the former head of the European Central Bank, is in place down there, and they dropped the sledgehammer on the Italian people. So as soon as they yeah. change these leaders out, they, they drop the hammer, just like in Austria. It's going to happen over there, too. I, I can I can just I, I can see the writing on the wall. There's only two circumstances under which these these corrupt leaders and you went through the list just the other night of, of all of the um, uh, what was it? Young future leaders or whatever yep, it's called. Young global leaders. Yeah. Young global leaders. Um, there's there's two two sets of circumstances under which someone will be replaced. One is for reasons um, such as 
they've started started to look as if they're about to blow the whistle, about to spill the beans. Then they'll be replaced, and they'll be discredited first as well. They'll be wholly um, discredited on by, with some dirt that that the organisation has got on them. The other is when it's time to drop the hammer and a new face, a new acceptable face, or a, a face they're gonna uh, that doesn't care. Um, to, to bring tighter and tighter restrictions. In that particular set of circumstances, the 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 outgoing leader will just go and live the the wonderful life that the organization has promised them. The other one, the one that's been ousted because they're about to blow spill the beans, um, will be cast into oblivion, you know? Yeah. Um, and you'll probably never hear of them again. So um yeah, I I, I don't know, but Boris was in bits. Yeah. Um, while he was trying to give that speech, he was absolutely atrocious. He's a fairly good ad libber, you know. He he can he normally speak quite well. Yeah. But in that particular speech, something was bothering him, mm-hmm. and I hope it continues to bother him. Given that I now believe him to be totally complicit with the whole plan. All right, let's switch over to sport. Let's let's spend let's spend a few minutes here, last few minutes talking about sport. Now, I, I'm not I'm not into sports these days. I'm not into it at all, but uh, I was talking the other day about how a lot of these European footballers are falling over on the like right on the pitch, right on the pitch, on the field, right there, that field for our American listeners. But they're going out there, they're playing their 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 game, they're doing their profession, they're performing, they're entertaining, and all of a sudden they just drop. Now this is not just uh, European footballers, but I mean that's where we're seeing the biggest uh, the biggest issues. But you're seeing it in high schoolers, you're seeing it in basketball stars, you're seeing it in hockey players, you're seeing it in baseball players. Uh, well, of course, quite frankly, we're not we're, we're not seeing baseball right now because baseball is uh, is you know they're they're on a break at the moment. But I expect to see it in in spring and summer. I expect to see it. But more to the point, European footballers. Whether that's from the UK or, or wherever, where, wherever, wherever that's from, it doesn't matter. If you're a professional footballer in Europe, then you have to be, by most of these clubs' decree, you have to be double vaccinated to play and to travel. This coaching, the staff, the players, everybody, you know, to conform to the COVID restrictions and everything. Well, these are players that are, or these are people that are in the best shape in like, these are world-class athletes. I don't know if anybody's ever tried this. I mean, I, I, I used to play soccer when I was a kid uh, or football, whatever we call it. I, I used to play that when I was a kid. There's a lot of running. You're never stopping in that game. You can play American football. You can play baseball. You can play, and I played baseball for 14 years, but you, you can play these other games and they don't compare to soccer. The reason they don't compare to soccer is because you're always on the move. You're always running. So if you're playing one of these other sports and then you consider yourself to be in top shape and then you go play that game for half an hour, if you can make it, you're going to be worn out. These are athletes that not only work their entire lives to get there, but quite frankly, if you had any kind of a cardiac condition, any kind of a condition at all, any anything, whether it's uh, whether it's it's a uh, whether it's a cardiovascular issue or it's a a knee problem or, or some type of an injury, something, then the clubs and the sponsors are going to look at that and they're not going to sign you they're not going to give you an opportunity if you have any kind of a uh, any kind of a heart issue and you're trying to be a professional athlete the first thing they're going to say is okay we need to see all of your medical records we need to take a look at this and find out what it is and most likely they're just doing that as a formality they're not going to hire you 
they're not going to give you a contract. They're not going to give you a, any kind of a deal because you will become a liability. And if they sign you to a deal, they'll have to pay out your contracts, not to mention all of your medical bills that they'll have to pay in the meantime. But what's happening to these footballers? We're, we're up now to over 70, over 70 football players in Europe across the continent of Europe that have died, not just collapsed, that have died. We're seeing more every day. Another player dropped in a UEFA championship game last night. Another UK football, two UK footballers in the last 48 hours have collapsed on the pitch. Marty, you saw the video of the player that collapsed at the UEFA game against FC Barcelona. It's clear what happened. It is clear what happened. It was a massive coronary. He clutched his chest and then face planted, and it, it was it was nasty to look at. It, it, it was very unpleasant. I've played I played rugby and I've played um, soccer, football, whatever you'd like to call it, and it is a very cardio uh, intense type of sport. The issue with um, some of the other games that you mentioned, like you know the American football, gridiron, baseball cricket even, there are long periods of standing around doing nothing followed by a few seconds of frenetic activity. And it's those kind of sports where I'd more expect to see someone suffer a heart attack because it's the sudden shock of that, you know, if, if their fitness was failing, for instance, um, it's that sudden shock of the sprint to the line or the, or the run to catch a ball or, or, or make a home run. Those are the ones where I expect to see the occasional heart attack. But footballers, by their very nature, are trained to run for 110 minutes. You know, a game can can go with extra time and so on and so forth. Um, you're looking at a 45-minute first half, followed by a second half uh, of another 45 minutes, then possibly another half hour. And there's only about a 10-minute gap in between those. So you're looking at, you know, running constantly for 45 minutes at a time with a very short gap and then doing it all again. So they are very, very fit people. Uh, and you're right, they go through all kinds of, of medical checks and screenings before they are signed by major clubs. And these are these are not just, you know, minor league uh, provincial teams that are having players drop down with a heart attack these are some of the major clubs throughout europe and it's scary are you gonna show the clip or not or are uh, you gonna play the clip for you mean the the compilation that we played earlier or you yeah about, yeah uh no I'm, I'm not gonna do that because it's no it's okay. just that's okay. that's a compilation and, and it's it's out there it's up on our telegram page uh as well if for anybody subscribed to us on telegram it's a compilation of uh, high school athletes, professional athletes, I mean, basketballers and college basketballers, professional basketballers. Hell, even the referee, I think, was one that dropped over. Yeah. And you can and, tell and by the way the they last... dropped. You can tell by the way they dropped. I mean, it is they, – they smacked their head off the court. I mean, yeah. that's – that's you're like you're out. You're just going along and then all of a sudden, bang, it just hits you. And in that one clip, I, I couldn't count them all, but I reckon there's, there's something like 70 or 80 um, individuals named there and shown there. And that's all within the last year, you know. Less. So it's if we're, less if we were than a looking year. It less. If we were looking at if we were looking at a rollout, say as late as March, and then uh, you're looking at, at that. I mean, you, you're you're talking less than a year, less than a year. And of course, you've you've got the one little clip that you did show me was was where the the talk radio guys started to yes. mention it. Yeah, and and say. Um, has anyone thought as if have they all had their COVID and that's the point where the broadcast was cut 
as soon as they realised one of their commentators was going to start asking the right question, that broadcast got cut. And By the way, that happened to Sadiq, London Mayor Sadiq Khan was uh, giving an interview or town hall or something uh, in front of a crowd of people just today, just yesterday. And someone started to ask some questions about uh, vaccine deaths. And the security personnel for Mayor Khan came over and escorted the gentleman out promptly. That's just disgraceful. Um, yeah. But this is what's happening, you know, though, is, is they're shutting yeah, down but, uh, any type of uh, any type of talk uh, in that regard. Well, I'm falling to bits, quite frankly. You know, I've, I've got so many things wrong with me at the moment. And I, I would fully expect to become quite seriously ill if I caught COVID, if we are to believe what they are they are saying. But I, I have absolutely no fear of it. I'm sorry, but I've got no fear of it. And this kind of shutdown of, of conversation, this this it it's making me more and more angry and it's pushing me to a point where, you know, I've I've got to stand up and fight for it myself. Uh, and it's only in small ways at the moment. But explaining that um uh, and it was our friend the uh, the guy who did the who does the the air filtration that that Michael. put it Michael yeah that put it most succinctly when you hold one of these masks up for instance to the light and you can see light through it that means it's ten microns the gaps between the material are at least ten microns the virus uh, is about 0 0.01 of a micron maybe even smaller it might be 0 0.001 of a micron. It's like throwing a handful of gravel at a chain link fence. And I've taken great pleasure in giving that analogy to every single pointless mask wearer that I've seen. One today in the supermarket. I really enjoyed that. She's all, oh, but I've got a 94-year-old mother and I want to do everything I possibly can for, for her. Well, that's your choice, but it's a complete waste of time. I didn't want to spoil her day, but... They annoy me. They irritate me. Their their ignorance, their their complete willingness to you know to act like sheep and just follow upsets me. It's an affront to my personal values. So I'm getting to the point, as I say, falling apart. When the fight comes, I think I'm 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 not going to be able to do much, but uh, I'll do everything I can. You know what? You're a veteran, obviously. You're a veteran. And the group of individuals that led the march in London last week was the Global Veterans Alliance in the UK. Yeah. So you're not alone, my friend. You're you're not alone, and and, and more than the, more to the fact, you're not alone. Even on your own little island over there, there are millions upon millions of people that support exactly what you're saying. And obviously, the people that are listening to us, they support it as well. I want to play this clip. It's 40 seconds long. This is a former serviceman in Australia. And I'm only playing this because of what you brought up. Uh, this is a former serviceman in Australia who's standing at the protest down there uh, this weekend. Uh, and this is what he had to say. Just, just having fear, but still doing what you know the right thing to do is, even when you're afraid. That's the simple definition of courage. Even when I'm shaking and scared, I still stand up for freedom. We all need to do that. These medals don't mean anything without these Australians. Us, as a team. We're a brotherhood, a sisterhood. I have a wife, I have children. I'm a human. I don't care what colour your skin is. I don't care if you call yourself Arthur or Martha. I don't care what swings between your legs. If you're a human and you want freedom and you don't want to be caged, then come with us. Well said. Well said. Uh, 
That right there, my friend, is why we win. Yeah, um, I did actually watch that clip earlier on. I was trying to work out his cap badge. I think he's, because um, he's wearing his beret. It's a green beret, which is um, Royal Marine. But he's, I think the cap badge was Navy. So he's probably something like a medic that's done their all-arms commando course or uh, maybe a diver that's done their all-arms commando course. And everything he said just resonated with me. That's what yep. we've got to do. That, that, that's the real definition of courage. If you're not scared and you do something that turns the course of a battle, that's not courage. That's probably ignorance and stupidity if you're not scared. If you're in a situation where people are throwing lead wasps towards you or bigger exploding things and you're not scared, then you're stupid. And it takes, well, we're all scared at the moment. We've, we've been put into fear, but it's it's time to, to show that courage. It's time to stand up against the restrictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Don't go and, you know, French kiss someone who is shedding COVID. You don't want it. That's not what I'm talking about. And don't, <laughs> don't, to, to, to that point, don't. If you're going to go out and you're going to join these protests, especially if you're European and you're listening to us, if you're an Australian and you're listening to us, if you're going to join these protests, don't get yourself in a position where you're going to get yourself hurt or someone with you hurt, and don't get yourself in a position where you're going to get yourself arrested. If you get yourself arrested, then you're no good to anybody. So be mindful. No, it's 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 the presence. It's the, yes. the show of, yes. uh, of solidarity. Absolutely. Um, of we the people globally against this terrible, terrible crime that is being committed against us. COVID is a real virus. It does have some very nasty um, symptoms and can kill you. But a lot of us veterans went through uh, a whole raft of, of inoculations, particularly for Desert Storm Gulf War, including anthrax, which is still unsanctioned for um, civilian use. And it wasn't sanctioned for our use, but we expected our enemy to use it against us. So we were given all kinds of vaccinations. And I personally did experience some after side effects. They call they call it a, a Gulf War syndrome, but it's, it's such a broad spectrum of different side effects and, and conditions after that cocktail of vaccinations we had. Now, these vaccinations are totally different to those ones. Those were inert Attenuated uh, what's the word? Pathog yeah, attenuated viruses. So, so they're, they're pathogens. Is, that's the traditional way that they develop vaccines. They, they've been doing that for decades. These vaccines work very differently. We've got our resident expert GP who's explained to us how they work. And I've you, you can find the information on how these new vaccines work. They actually cause your genetic material to produce something else. It's not an antibody it's producing. It's replicating the protein spike. That that protein spike on the virus that targets your cells and allows the virus to slip into your cells and, and then reproduce. So it does something different. I'd advise people to research what it does. If you haven't been vaccinated already and are thinking about it, do your research. It's not up to us to, to say, don't get vaccinated. All I can say is they'll never be sticking any of that poison into me. You got anything else you want to discuss? I've reached out to uh, some of my Australian friends, all of which are veterans as well. And I'm, I'm hoping that one of them, at least one of them, um, I haven't seen since 1983. The others I've, I've seen 
probably now about six years ago. Uh, they're all back in Australia. And um, uh, I'm just putting the plea out on here because I'm going to send them the, the link to this podcast so they can hear this plea live on air. Guys, please come on and tell us we're wrong if that is the case or come on and tell us we're right. We want to know what you're experiencing in Australia and, and let us know how you feel about it. The environment of this podcast has always been a discussion. It's not one of those hostile situations where um, the guest gets grilled and, and roasted by the anchors. We just want a discussion. And we want a, we want a real perspective on what's happening from someone who's there, not just the mainstream media, which is telling us nothing, not just from the video clips on, on YouTube, on Facebook, on all the other social media that is putting forward perhaps you'd say our side of the story. What we want is is real people to talk to us. And so if any of you guys, you know who you are because you will have received a message from me, give me a shout and perhaps we can arrange a time. I mean, if it means that Johnny, Bruce and I are up in the middle of the night, then we'll do it. So be it. So be it. Anyway, thank you. That's it, Johnny. No, you're good. Uh, and that goes for any of our Aussie listeners. I know we have a lot of Aussie listeners, and we thank you all very much all across the continent of Aust- and country of Australia. Uh, that goes for all of our listeners over in, I'm assuming, Perth. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's Western Australia. It's a, Western Australia is, what, a third of the country by landmass size? So, I mean, I would assume that most of the population lives in Perth. So um, that would go for any of our uh, Western Australian listeners, Northern Territory, Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, any any of them, any of them. Doesn't matter where you're from. We want to hear from you, uh, and you can do so by dropping us a line at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. If you would like to come on, as Marty said, please do let us know, and we can make that happen. Uh, we'll we'll do whatever we need to do. We know that there's a time difference, but uh, we are located all across the world anyway. So why not? Why not? We'll uh, we'll make the uh, we'll make the necessary arrangements because. It's exactly what you just said. We want the conversation. We want to hear what's actually happening from real people. If you don't want to come on for an hour, fine. That's okay. If you'd like to do 10 minutes, 20 minutes, just like a normal sit down and, and have a, uh, you know, like a, like a telephone call or something, then that can be arranged. You know, just that time, uh, that time period or something. But uh, anyway. All right. Uh, we will go ahead and call this one done. So I want to thank you for being here today, Marty. Bruce wasn't here. So uh, it's been a long time since you and I have done a podcast together. Yeah. Yeah. It has been a long time. But happy Thanksgiving to Bruce and everybody else in the United States of, of America and anywhere else that celebrates it. Do do the, um, the, the Lumberjacks also celebrate Thanksgiving or do they have a different day for it? No, I think they all celebrate the same day. No, I mean, as in the Canadians. Perhaps you misunderstood. All of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly, I don't know. I've never, I, I've never asked. I, I've never asked. I, I know some people in Canada. I've never asked. It's, um, it's funny, isn't it? That, you know, the world imitates America. So whatever happens in America, eventually it happens the rest of, rest of the way around the world. Yeah. Thanksgiving isn't something that we've ever picked up on, but Halloween, Valentine's Day, I'm pretty sure that that's got to be. Oh, no, that's the Valentine's Day massacre I'm thinking of. But Halloween is now global, um, but that was really an American holiday. But yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everybody who celebrates it. I hope you're all having an, uh, a really great day, and it's been good to be on with just you and I, Johnny. Um, although, like I said, I, I do need Bruce because I keep an eye on him and on the on the screen to see if he's smiling or nodding his head, just, just for that confirmation that I'm not talking complete twaddle. I tried to give you that, but uh, apparently I'm not satisfactory enough. So we do have to get him back. Well, I've known you for longer, you see. So, so we, we, we've become a little bit 
um, what's the word? We, we, we've got immunity to each other's That's true. patterns yeah. of speech and, and stories and reactions. So, um, you know, but yeah, it, it's got to be that newness with, with Bruce, even though it's been nearly two years now, or was it three? I, I think we mentioned this almost, almost three. three years. So we've we have, been on this. We have almost a thousand podcasts. We have almost yeah. a thousand podcasts in archive. Anyway, uh, again, uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners. Hope you're all having a great holiday. And uh, please do be careful if you venture out into the hell on earth that will be Black Friday to try and stomp into uh, whatever department store to get whatever device you're after. Uh, please do be careful. All right, so we're going to go ahead and jump out of here. So thank you for being here today, Marty. Everyone have a fantastic evening. Masalama, salama,